It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass on YouTube. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Can't even say my own name this morning or this afternoon, whatever time of day it is. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. And Alex, uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you for your time today, Alex. I, I didn't know if you uh, had enough time for us this week with all your your 98.5 happenings over there. You can listen to Alex on the radio all week long, right? All week long? Am I saying yep, that? yep. Uh, tomorrow morning, 6 to 10 a.m. Yeah, tomorrow morning. You need to plug your mic in, by the way. <laughs> tomorrow morning, 6 to 10 a.m., with with uh, Tim McCone and, and Ty Anderson Thursday night with Ty Anderson 6 to 11 p.m. and then Saturday after whatever the early uh, the oh no there's no bowl game on Saturday it's 4:30 uh, leading into the Bruins with uh, Brendan Glasheen and then it was on with actually Greg Bedard today we had a little CLNS party over on 98.5 the Sports Hub this morning you can hear that show back on 98.5 the Sports Hub.com. Well, there you go. Is my mic clearer now? Not even close. What? I don't you know sound what's going on with it, but this, today has been like for those watching, it's just been. This is the kind of day it's been. Okay. All oh, right. There you go. There you go. There we go. All right. Just had to play with it a little bit. Okay. Anyway, so obviously not not, not the day that not the show not the day uh, that we wanted to uh, have here today or yesterday for the Patriots falling to Buffalo, as you can see right down there, a 33 to 21. I'm sure all of you watched the game yesterday and were as frustrated and as disappointed in the Patriots performance. And as we titled the show today, are the Patriots cooked? I think is the one theme that everybody is going to come out with over the next couple of days. It was a bad loss. I think on top of everything in terms of the execution, the X's and O's, which we're going to get to here in a little bit, the lack of energy, the lack of urgency, the slow start that they had, and just the fact that Buffalo yesterday seemed like they wanted it a little bit more than the Patriots, especially to start that game, Alex. All those things are frustrating, I would say, when you have a game with such high stakes with a chance to win the division or at least essentially win the division on your home turf, you put yourself in this great position and the bills go out there. And as Bill Belichick said, after the game, the Patriots didn't do anything well enough to truly be competitive at any point in time in this game. And although they did get it to one score late at 26, 21, it truly felt like the Pats were outplayed from start to finish in this game. Yeah, I, you know, I talked a ton last week. The one thing I didn't think would happen, and I, you know, the Bills are a talented team. I certainly thought there was a chance that they came in and we got a shootout or something or, 
you know, a competitive football game and, and it was competitive on the scoreboard. But the one thing I didn't think would happen would be the Patriots coming out flat again. Yeah. I just, in that spot, after what happened last week with what yeah. was on the line, after what happened three weeks ago and the way the Bills reacted to that game and things Sean McDermott said after that game, to not be prepared in the way they weren't prepared. And I mean, top down, including the coaching, they sleepwalked. That, that was a, the fact it was as close as it was, frankly, I think says a lot. Yeah. Because it, it, it never felt that way. It, and no. they, they were, JC Jackson dropped that ball. They could have had the lead. Yeah. And it, it still never felt like they were truly in that game. It didn't. They didn't. Everything they had done during that seven game winning streak. And look, in the Colts game, at least there was that second half, right? At least there was right. that second half where there was a flash. Everything they had done during that seven game winning streak from coaching adjustments to being more physical than the opponent, um, capitalizing on mistakes, right? Yeah. It all went out the window. There was none of it. We, yeah. we didn't see a drop of that, that team that won seven straight games. And I said last week, I said, hey, look, I'm not ready to call it a pattern yet. I'm ready to call it an anomaly. What happened against Indy? Now it's a pattern. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. And the stat that really stood out to me in terms of not being able to take advantage of any of the mistakes that, in, uh, that uh, excuse me, Buffalo made in this game, Josh Allen was graded out with 10 inaccurate passes in this game, right? He had some passes that got away from him. Not all of it was perfect. I think when you watch the game, it it seemed like he had an answer for everything. It seemed like every decision he made was perfect. Not everything they did was 100% perfect, but the Patriots could not take advantage of some of the mistakes they made, not just the drop interceptions, but also other plays. Like, for instance, uh, the receiver, I can't remember his name because he's somebody that, no, we uh, we don't talk about a lot for Buffalo. Jake Kumaro? Kumaro, yeah. He dropped the ball in the end zone. Buffalo still went in and scored on that drive, right? right. It, it didn't matter. The Patriots didn't capitalize. And the one thing I think that Devin McCourty said after the game that has continued to stick with me uh, throughout all my reviews of this game so far is that when this Patriots team needs to make a play, the play, in the moment, fourth quarter, down a score, get the ball back to the offense or have the offense take the lead late in the game or make that monumental shift game shifting game altering type of play. They don't make those plays right now. They are not right. finding that play. And I think Devin McCourty was talking more about the defense and the fact that they couldn't get off the field with seven minutes to go and a one score game, the Mac Mac Jones and the offense finally wakes up a little bit and the defense couldn't make the play to stem the tide and turn it the other direction. And I think when you look at some of the great teams uh, the Patriots have had over the last two decades, it wasn't always playing from ahead. It wasn't always first quarter leads. It wasn't always starting fast. I think those things are media-driven narratives and, and sometimes even player-driven or coaching-driven narratives that get talked about a lot but aren't actually indicative of what happens every single game or the majority of games even for a lot of teams, you are going to get behind in the NFL. You are going to give up plays early. You're going to uh, be the slower team to start. You are going to get um, yourself behind the eight ball. The great teams are able to dig themselves out and complete these comebacks. The Patriots have come really close multiple times this season, not just in the last two weeks, 
but even before that, right, against Tampa, against Dallas, against Miami during the two and four start. Now these last two weeks, they have come really, really close to being able to pull off these comebacks, but they just can't put it together in all three phases late in the game. And I think what that comes back to is championship medal and something that is with championship medal it's it's developmental right you can develop that as a team as a player as a quarterback in the case of mac jones but it's not something that just automatically comes to you it's something that you learn and and grow from so hopefully these games and these close calls the patriots will be able to build on these in the future and say we've been in this spot before but championship medal is something that usually uh, comes over time and isn't something that just automatically comes to players and comes to teams. This team right now doesn't have those chops. They don't have that ability to come back from 20 to nothing or to come back from down 13 against Buffalo in this game. They need to get that because if they don't get that, then you have to be a front runner and not everything is going to be front running. Yeah. And it goes back to something I said since August, and I know people don't want to hear this today. This is the reality of it. This year is one long preseason. That's yeah. really what this is. You're one of a four-year rebuild. You're one of a four-year window, sorry, after a rebuild. Yeah. And here's the, I mean, there's really two directions they can go, right? I think, I think losing big games is important for a young team. Uh, you know, you look at the Chiefs losing to the Patriots in 18, right? I right. think... That helped Patrick Mahomes and that team immensely. I really do. Um, that's just one example. There's all kinds of examples all over sports, yeah. not just football. Yeah. The question is, when you lose that game, do you learn from it or does it become a habit? Right? right. I hate to make this comparison, but you look at the Boston Celtics. We've been saying for years that the Celtics are a young team that just needs to learn, and this will be, this will be the one that gets them over the hump, and they haven't done it. And – those are the two directions you can go. And what's so frustrating about this is we won't, I mean, we don't know the answer to if this is a pattern or if this was a learning experience, probably for a year, maybe if that Miami game turns into winning in, we get a kind of, you know, look at it, but they're just, you're not going to be in the spot that often. And you hope like, I, I like this core and I think the foundation, this, this is the question we did off the top on touch and rich today. And I think it's a very good question. Can a season, be both a success and a disappointment at the same time. Yeah. And I, I think that's where this Patriot season is trending, where they did have the one seed in the AFC late in the year. They did have a chance to win the division pretty easily and they let it go. And that's disappointing. But the reality is this year is a foundation for the next four years. And we've heard guys from like the two, the early dynasty Patriots, right? We've heard them talk about how important that 2000 season was when yeah. even though they went five and 11, they learned how to win in the NFL and that laid that foundation. So that's what they did with a five and 11 foundation. This is going to be a 10 or 11 win foundation here. Flip that. Right. So if they go on and they win a title at some point with this core, I think we look back at this season and specifically this game and it becomes, Hey, it was a painful loss, but it was important. Yeah. It was crucial. What you hope is that they learn from this loss and it doesn't, it's not a sign of things to come. And there's no, you know, people can say, oh, no, this is who they are. I think it's too early to say that. People can say, oh, it was a learning experience. And as much as I want to believe that that's what it was and that's what it will be, uh, I think that, you know, it's still too early to tell that as well. But that's that's the crossroads they're at from this game. 
you can't come out like that in a bet in a big game and expect to have success with the overall window, which is to win a title in the next four years. You can't do it. Yeah. But this is a, another big game where they've come out flat. You hope they learn the lesson. Yeah, I, I think that that question is a really interesting question because I've been asked that a couple of times too. We talked about it on the post game show last night, but the problem is, is that I think there's a time and place for that conversation. I think when we do our season recap show sometime, hopefully in February, but right now it's looking more like January, right? And we right. do that season recap show, we can talk about the whole season in a big picture lens and say, "Wow, the Patriots won." 10, 11 games, whatever it ends up being, and Mac Jones' rookie season. That's terrific. If you told me back in August that they were going to win 10 or 11 games, then I would have been thrilled with that result. And that, I think, is important context that we have to hold on to. This is ultimately where they should have been. Right. Close to the division, fighting for wildcard spot. Yes. It's definitely fair to be disappointed and frustrated that they had this opportunity and they squandered it, at least so far, at least to this point. But ultimately, we do have to look at the bigger picture and recognize that 10 or 11 wins with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of new faces on both sides of the football is a good progressive year, right? It's a good foundational right. year is the word I'm looking for. But we can have that conversation in a month. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I, wa- I want to get into now is discuss some of the things that actually happened in the game. And I think the other big question coming off this game, we're going to get to the defense. I got plenty to say about the defense as well, as, as I'm sure you do too, Alex. But offensively, I think the biggest question is, over the last two games, what is wrong with Mac Jones and the Patriots' passing game? Because the way I look at it, for the first 12 weeks of the season, and, I, and granted, the 2-4 and four start, it wasn't perfect, and it looked a lot more like this than it did during the seven-game win streak where they were great in the passing game. But for the most part, Mac Jones was 12th in EPA. He was fifth in the completion percentage over expected. He was top five in PFF grade at one point in time. He was trending towards being a fringe top 10 quarterback already in his rookie season throughout the first 12 weeks of the year. Week 13 happens in Buffalo. They go into the windstorm. He only throws the ball three times. First time since 1974 that a team has thrown the ball that few times in an NFL game. They go into the bye week. Hasn't been the same since. It, that It's really that that's how I would lay it out from a, a, a timeline perspective, right? So the question is, how much is this what's going on with Mac? How much is this what's going on with his receivers? Obviously, it's a combination of everything. But where are we at with this passing offense? Because clearly when they went up against a pretty good passing offense in Buffalo, they were not going to outduel Josh Allen the way that their team was playing that day. Yeah. 
So, I, I mean, I think it's two different. First off, they're just, they're not there where they can play from behind yet. They're not there where they can throw when the other team knows they have to throw. And that is concerning, right? Yeah. I don't think that that's, but it's fixable. Mac Jones is going to get better. They're going to put better pieces around him. I think in terms of yesterday's game, what really hurt the passing game, I think we maybe underrated what a loss Nelson Aguilar would be. And yeah. I don't mean that in the sense that he puts up numbers, but he is somebody that the defenses have, have to respect over the top. And part of the reason they've had success throwing a Hunter Henry up the seam, right? Throwing a Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers over the middle is teams have had to leave a safety back to accommodate Nelson Aguilar. And that wasn't the case. And you could see the difference, you know, Hunter Henry gets taken away because teams feel like, you know, the bills felt like they had an extra safety they could put on them. I don't know how many times the Patriots came out in 22 um, or even 12 or 21 where it's Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, and they're both pressed off the line on the outside. And then there's nine or 10 guys right in the box for the bills. Like they, they, it, were it not- is concerning when you don't have Aguilar out there, not to cut you off, but when you have Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith and Jakob Johnson as your skill players, that is the slowest collection of yeah. skill players in the NFL. And I'm not sitting here trying to get into a conversation about Nikhil Harry and that draft pick and John. And the, that's a different conversation. But just in general, that not a single person in that grouping runs faster than a four five five, right? That's Nikhil. I think ran a four five three technically, but I don't know that, that that was a fast stopwatch that day at the combine. So regardless of all that, that is an extremely slow group, and not having Nelson Aguilar out there, as you said, to stretch the field, they've threatened so little of the field in that game against Buffalo. There, there's right. such little. Uh, you know, talk about being able to attack every blade of grass. That's what offensive coaches always talk about. The Patriots were only able to attack maybe 25% of the grass against Buffalo on Sunday. And the problem, I mean, they were down their two most explosive receivers. I'll get into that in a second, but basically go back and watch the game. I mean, the bills are putting 10 in the box. They're rushing six because they know there's no threat over the top. Right. And it's the lack of speed. and, And they like, they didn't have Nelson Aguilar. Obviously he's, He's out. He has a concussion. That is what it is. But they're they're most they they kept their most ex- explosive playmaker off the field. Kendrick Bourne played less than fifty percent of the snaps. I think he is their best receiver. I think he's their most explosive player on offense. I get he didn't practice all week. I get right. it, and that's been a Belichick tenant in the past. But I think part of what's made this year different, and part of the reason they have had success this year, and they have, is Belichick has kind of gone away from some of his, you know, some of what he's leaned on. Yeah, especially with COVID, right? Yeah, with co- well, like even something like playing rookies, right? We did the yeah. whole thing in in the summer about how Ramondre Stevenson wouldn't play, and he's been a key player, and Barmore would probably get redshirted, and he's been a key player. But the practice thing too, Ramondre Stevenson had his best game of the season. After not practicing all week, I forget what the injury was, but he didn't practice all week. He played at his best question. Yeah. JC Jackson had his best game of the season. That one was against Carolina after not practicing all week. They were clearly okay with it this year. And look, Bourne's a new player. If it's week two, I get it. It's week 16. There's got to be eight to 10 plays that are just generic non-game plan specific plays that they have that he can run. He, or, or just put him out there and have him run go routes. Right. But well, the thing is, is that have, there was he was the most the closest yeah. thing they had to an explosive threat, and they kept him on the bench. And he played forty seven percent of the snaps, right? Forty seven. So, so that's yeah. a theme. We'll talk about it on the defensive side of the ball. But the coaching did not adjust in this game. They yeah. did the same thing from beginning to end. 
that's supposed to be a tenant of what they do. They didn't do it. And that's frustrating. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk about Mac specifically because I, I've, I've looked through some of the all 22. I haven't been able to sit down and watch the entire thing, but I, for the most part, I really felt like Mac made decent decisions with the football in this game. And it wasn't necessarily that he was missing wide open guys down the field. There was maybe one play they faked the the handoff or the toss and they had the crosser with the post from Nikhil Harry and he ends up throwing the post into double coverage instead of throwing the cross that maybe you would like back. But for the most part, there wasn't a ton out there that I thought was a terrible decision-making from Mac Jones. But what I definitely saw a lot of, especially when it came to zone coverage, and we're going to talk about man coverage here in a second because that's a whole other issue. When it came to zone coverage, a lot of receivers converting routes in ways that Mac Jones was not anticipating. I posted one clip on Twitter. The Patriots were running a sale concept. They have the vertical clearing out the sideline and Hunter Henry filling in with the uh, intermediate route, whether it's an out or a corner. I I couldn't tell you, right? It depends on the call, I suppose, or, or, you know, only they could tell me that. But Mac throws the corner and Hunter Henry runs an out, right? So it looks like the ball is a bad throw, right? It looks like it's overthrown and Hunter Henry tries to adjust to it and can't. That was probably one of the only downfield opportunities the Patriots put on tape the entire game, where I said, oh, they really had a chance to to hit a shot here, right? And they they dialed it up. They got the zone coverage look they were expecting. It was cover two. Mac saw it, got it to the right guy, but they weren't on the same page. Hunter Henry flattened his route off on the out route. Mac threw the corner and the ball falls incomplete because the two guys aren't on the same page. That That is frustrating at this point in time in the season to see how disjointed the pass, passing attack was in general. And I know a lot of people want to make it about Max accuracy, but Max accuracy would change a lot. The narrative on that would change a lot if some of these uh, route conversions are going the right way, right? He's throwing it to the outside. He's throwing it to the sideline, and Hunter Henry's stopping his route on, on uh, and sitting his route down instead of running out towards the sideline. Hunter Henry thinks he's running an out. Mac thinks he's running a corner. You know, these are the types of conversions that you see over and over again that are frustrating for Jones. So, look, I, I, I don't really understand. I got to be honest with you. I know I've been – some people think I'm a Mac hater. Some people think I defend Mac. So I don't know where people are at with my opinion on Mac. But I got to be honest with you. I did not watch this game back in any capacity and have concerns about the quarterback and said, Oh, the biggest problem out there on Sunday was the QB, right? That was not how I felt at watching it live. That's not how I feel now about watching the game from what I have seen of it uh, back on the coaches tape. This really felt like a game where his receivers were not doing their jobs properly, whether it was separating against man coverage or it was route, route conversions against zone coverage and being in the right places. Mac was visibly frustrated all day long that he was throwing the ball to one spot and guys were going to another spot. It, you could just tell that it was really uh, killing him all game long. So where is your opinion on that though? Because I think a lot of people uh, are being pretty harsh right now on Mac Jones on Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pro Mac, uh, you know, roll tide and all. I I thought it was his worst game of the year, but I also wouldn't put him in my top five reasons they lost. Yeah. Right. I think I I find it hard to believe that every bra- route that broke the wrong way was on the receiver and not him. And we don't have the play sheet in front of us, but right. I feel like that's got to be a 50-50 street. Um, 
you know, I thought he, he, he put the team on his back when he had opportunities and he loved to see that the quarterback sneak, you know, he absorbs that hit from Matt Milano late in the game gets right up, kind of try to try to light that spark. Yeah. But he, he just, you know, I thought at least against the Colts when he struggled early, he fought back and he actually made plays as they were trying to come back. I don't, I don't know that he made plays late in that game. Like he had opportunities. I just, I, I, it was the whole, it's, it's hard because the whole offense, the whole offense just wasn't there. Yeah. I didn't think the like outside of Damien Harris, outside of Damien Harris. I mean, just yeah, Damien Harris and the run blocking work. were solid. Other than that, the whole offense right. was a mess. It it just sort of compounded. So, yeah. I mean, you want like here's the thing: if this game is in three years, I think that this is a major red flag for Mac Jones, even if it's right. next year. Because at a certain point, you want your first-round quarterback to elevate the team. And I know I've talked about Mac Jones being net neutral. I still think you need a little bit of that. And that would have been the perfect spot to do it. As a rookie, like rookie evaluation is different. Again, it goes back to, is this a learning experience for him? Because this is the thing, like early in the season, we're talking about Mac getting better. And he was progressively getting better. I, you know, is he still getting better the last couple of weeks? I thought he was from the Colts. I thought maybe he did at the Colts game. He didn't get better from the Colts game to the Bills game. So it is important to mention, I would say, with that conversation, that uh, d- development's not always linear, right? You're not always right. Development's not always going to be in an upward trajectory all the time. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be uh, setbacks. There's going to be issues. There's going to be good games. There's going to be bad games. But I think what we've seen from Mac, and I, I would say the one thing that maybe you could uh, be a little bit concerned about now, even still, uh, the fourth down play, for instance, he does play make a little bit, right? He got outside the pocket, right. he directed traffic, he moved Jacoby Myers, and he play in, play makes in his own way. He's not Josh right. Allen. He's not going to scramble to his right, right yeah. off platform and zing it 25 yards down the field. That's not going to be who he's going to be ever. But I think what you look at is that, this passing game with Mac Jones at quarterback and given his in his current state, he could develop into a, a different type of player down the road. But in his current state, they need to execute at a very, very, very high level to produce against a good defense like Buffalo has. Right. They need to be on their P's and Q's on the same page on every single route. They need to really let the system do the driving. Right. That that's how they need to be. And that comes down to X's and O's at this point in time. Mac is not an elite playmaker. Right. He is not somebody that's going out there and making all these ridiculous plays like Josh Allen did on Sunday. Could he be that down the road from the pocket? Absolutely. Right now, he's not there yet as a rookie. And that's totally fine. But I think the other concern that I had from watching this game and Bill Belichick came out and said it this morning when we spoke to a very grumpy Bill Belichick, as you could expect on Monday morning, he said, we didn't get open against man coverage, right? That wasn't, I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially what he said was that they, the Buffalo played a little bit more man coverage and, uh, and they didn't get open. And I look at some of these guys and I look at some of the way they ran their routes on Sunday too. And I'm perplexed by some of the decisions in terms of releases and stuff like that. But they did not separate at all against man. I put up the stats. Mac was two for 10 for 27 yards in a pick against man coverage yesterday. Not good enough against man. This is a problem that got a, a lot better, I would say, this year. Right, Last year, 
Patriots were 31st in the league in passer rating uh, in man coverage, right? Against man coverage with Cam and that group last year. This year, they're better. They're middle of the pack in that statistic. So they are getting better in terms of getting open against man and being and having a quarterback that can win against man coverage. But this is a back down to earth type of game in that respect too. And I, I look at Jacoby Myers got open a little bit. He was probably the most consistent guy that they had that could separate. But with no Aguilar, with Bourne limited, the tight ends did absolutely nothing against man. The backs did absolutely nothing against man. It was tough sledding every single time Buffalo called man coverage. Yeah, I, it's and, and I think the other thing, too, I think they – and this goes to coaching. Did you feel like there were too many plays that they called that took too long to develop? I just don't think – Well, that's the other thing. So I'm glad you brought that up because so, – So I, just I, real quick, like I yeah, from my point of view before yeah. you – because yeah. I have my point of view and then you have the right answer. Yeah. Um, I think that – I don't think Josh McDaniels had a feel for what – the Patriots offensive line was doing in that game or what yeah. the Bills pass rush was doing in that game because he's calling plays that needed time to develop and that time just wasn't there. And that's not on Mac. That's not on the receivers. You just, I think that's the thing where, and again, this is a theme of the whole game. I think yeah. the Patriots coaches never picked up on the flow, on the tempo, on the mood, whatever you want to call it. They, they never picked up on what was happening on the field. This is what I, and this is what I criticized the bills for immensely after week 13 and I'll, I'll bring it back and say the Patriots did it. The Patriots did what they wanted to do. They put their head down. They, they put the blinders on. They closed their eyes. La, 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 la. They did what they wanted to do. They didn't allow the game to dictate any of their decisions. And that's, that's bad coaching. That's bad coaching. And this is another example. Yeah, so to your point about Mac not getting rid of the football, I think one of the most interesting statistics that I'm I've uncovered not getting not getting rid of the football. I'm saying they were calling plays where he had to hold the ball too long. Okay, yeah, either way, right? Uh, maybe maybe a little bit of yes. I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So just in general, whether it was scheme related, play calling related, or or Mac related or receiver related, Mac Jones over the last two weeks, his average time to throw Alex has been 3.1 seconds in the first. 13 games of the season, it was two and a half seconds, right? So he's holding the ball. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but in the NFL game, an extra half a second's a lot, right? That's a big difference in terms. And that's a lot of difference in terms of timing, rhythm, continuity, all those types of things in the passing game. So not only is he not throwing the ball as accurately down the field, but the ball's not coming out as quickly and, and it's not coming out on time as often as it did before whether that's play calling, whether that's defenses taking away first reads and making Mac Jones hold the football in the pocket and scan through, whatever the case may be, we know this, right? Whether it was Brady, whether it was Cam, whether it was Jimmy G, whether it was Matt Castle, the Patriots offense is designed to get the football out. They don't want the quarterback sitting there in the pocket for three seconds per drop back. They don't, that's not the type of offense they want to be. They want to be a timing, rhythm-based, quick passing game. They want the ball out. And Matt Jones holding the football, whether, again, it's a multitude of factors that are contributing to that, but the fact that that number over the last two weeks is 3.1 seconds is way, way, way too high for this scheme to be running properly. So something is going on, whether it's scheme, whether it's Mac, whether it's receivers not getting open, something is going wrong that is causing them to hold the football. And that's not what they want to be doing. So that's definitely another thing that I look at with this passing game. They absolutely need to get back to getting the football out, right? Getting the football out and getting it to the guys it needs to get to. Mac talks about that a lot. 
He says, I need to get the ball out and I need to get it to the people that should have the football because I'm not athletic. I'm not fast. I'm not the guy that should be having the football. The other guy should have the football. So that's what they have to get back to as well. Before we move over to the defense. So just real quick on that, though. Yeah. I I think it goes back to the point, at least in this game, like that stuff all has to be in the middle of the field. Yeah. You can't. And I know like you can, but. You're they not really quick games quick, up to the boundary. You know, they've done that before. Yeah, you know, but that's plant flat, you know, uh, kind of like hook, hook flat, it, whatever you want to call it. Right. You but know, is that really the most productive way of doing that is, is throwing quick outside the numbers on a regular basis. Like, no, I, feel like that's I know it didn't for go trouble. for, I, I know it didn't go for a first down, but I thought the, the play that looked the most like the Patriots offense was that third down throw to Jacoby Myers. Uh, that set up the fourth down play, right? They go for it on fourth down afterwards. And Hunter uh, Henry. You want some Patriots breaking news here? Oh, what's going on? Matthew Judon tests positive for COVID. And Juwan Bentley. So we were supposed to talk. So that would be what was going on. We were supposed to talk to Juwan Bentley today. Uh, we did not. So he, he tested positive for COVID. Matthew Judon, over the last two games, Alex, has had two quarterback pressures in the last two games combined. So I thought there was something physically going on with Matthew Judon uh, in terms of a football injury. As it turns out, maybe Matthew Judon has had COVID this entire time, right? You know, he's not going to have it for two weeks and then just test positive today. I don't think that. I don't know. Something was up with him, right? His energy level, uh, his effectiveness, everything. Uh, In yesterday's game, it just wasn't. He was not playing with the same fire that we normally see from Matthew Judon. I'm also telling you right now, uh, personal note. Indianapolis was cursed. All right. There was something going on there in Indianapolis in the press box. A bunch of people that were sitting in that press box have gotten COVID. Uh, obviously the players are, are catching COVID left and right. So bad news for the Patriots, Judon Bentley. It is Monday. So if uh, Judon and Bentley are vaccinated, they could still play like Kendrick Bourne, right? They, they could still clear. It's also the Jaguars who have a huge COVID problem on their hands as well. So, well, I mean the lead 106 players today. Wow. Yeah. I, I, that's gotta be a, a Christmas thing, right? Look, I, I, I don't want to get into the, should the league be can, testing can we, or not conversation. Let's, let's circle back to that after. We, I think we need to talk about some of the X's and O's of, of this game yesterday, but it, it is important, right? And I know people don't really want us to talk about the COVID stuff. I, I know it's not fun. Uh, to hear about, but let's circle back at, to it at the is end. Any of this fun to hear about today? I think no. that's the point. Of, this is a festivist airing of grievances is what this show is today. Yeah. Okay. Um, last thing on, uh, on the offense before we move over to the defense. Uh, Damian Harris was the only player that showed up from the skill group yesterday. Right. I mean, at least we, they can hang their hat on the running game being successful. The running game was not just successful. They were awesome in that game. Uh, 50% success rate. Damian Harris went over five yards per carry. Uh, They were just as good as they were a couple weeks ago. They just didn't get to run the ball quite as much as they did in week 13. Harris ran hard. Uh, He ran angry. He, uh, was fantastic. The blocking was pretty darn good in that game as well. Uh, from the run blocking perspective, the only good thing that I would say they did in that game, Alex was run the football in, in all three phases, honestly. Right. I mean, the only good thing that they did, uh, on offense or defense was being able to run the football. I'm going to audible and talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I N S A. They're the premier because the founders, Pat and Pete re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it, 
while never forgetting it's for everyone. And so dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from the differences between flowers and concentrates to offering for insomnia and anxiety or reco for hanging with friends. Insa has a world-class head chef too and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the Insa founders aren't VCs from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield. So there's another local team to root for, Insa. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just one off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt or for one penny, insa.com or 877-500-INSA. So since we're, since we're kind of doing, you know, people are doing the, uh, you know, can we already talk about next season, the season's over thing? I'll give you my, yeah. I mean, I have a couple takes on that, but Damian Harris needs to be a captain next year. Yeah. I mean, he was the one guy when they came out flat, putting his shoulder down, bowling through right. players, keeping the energy up. He has been one of their best draft picks over the last couple of years. He's got just the mentality. I mean, he's a really good football player. I don't want to take away from that, but you talk about the mentality, like the brain you want in a football player. The dude just, he gets it. He gets it. He understands what's going on, what the deal is. He know, like he, I, 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 he needs, he needs, I'm not, this isn't me. Like, I don't mean this as criticizing him. Like he's not talking yeah. enough, but like, I think the more he emerges as a leader and it sounds like that sort of happened this year, it begun to happen, but yeah. the more he emerges as a leader and a voice on this team, the better. Yeah. I, 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 that's a guy, you know, I, I trust having my back a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. I, I think they nailed it as a player, as a person, as a leader. They nailed it when they picked Damian Harris. I think he, like, all, all love in the world of him. He went out there, regardless of everything that was going on, and he played his game. So shout out to him. Yep, well said. All right, let, let's move over to the defense side of the ball because plenty of grievances to air on that side of things. I, I want to I say this, though, because I think it's important, and I understand that Miles Bryant's getting thrown under the bus a lot today and, and taking his lumps for what was a, a, a bad performance yesterday against Isaiah McKenzie. But – when I look at what happened with the defense, especially after watching it again, Alex, this was a coaching failure by the defense. This was, I, I don't care how often you or you want to say, oh, the Patriots missed Jonathan uh, Jones and Miles Bryant can't cover in man. And uh, I am telling you right now, this was a coaching failure by the yeah. Patriots to stick in cover one man free. And all Isaiah McKenzie did was run routes to out leverage Miles Bryant, right? Whether it was the crossing routes or it was the routes out of bunch formations, they did not. The Patriots pride themselves defensively. One of the most important tenets of Bill Belichick's defensive system is leverage, right? Is maintaining leverage, is having body positioning on the route. And they did not have that at any point in time against anybody on the Buffalo offense this entire game. And that's why they got destroyed the way that they did. Stephon Diggs beats JC Jackson to the inside. The post safety is nowhere to be found. Uh, Miles Bryant, if you look at, I posted Isaiah McKenzie's route chart from next gen, Alex, it's all crossing routes. He ran over routes the entire game and they never closed the middle of the field. They never jammed him. They never redirected him. They just allowed a guy that runs a sub 4-4, is a return specialist, run in a straight line across the field the entire game. 
and get into foot races with Miles Bryant. So Miles Bryant's sitting there, right? And he's outside leverage. He's on Isaiah McKenzie's outside him. And he has to run all the way across the field with the guy. And there's nobody from the middle of the field closing it off, right? There's no safety coming down. There's no linebacker laying them out. There's no resistance whatsoever from the Patriots in the middle of the field. And Brian is left out to dry. It was a frustrating tape to watch because I truly felt like the Patriots, for some reason, they sat in cover one and they did not want to get out of it. I don't know what it was that they felt like they had to stay in cover one the entire game, but they never got out of it. And he beat Miles Bryant uh, to the inside every single time. And it really wasn't Miles Bryant's fault. I don't care. You put Jonathan Jones out there. I still think that similar results happen if they play the middle of the field the same way that they played it yesterday. I, so I think they have a better shot. You know, it's, they obviously it's, have a better shot, right? Jonathan Jones is a better player. But the way that they got out leveraged and the way that they never helped him to the middle of the field, I just don't know how they can expect Miles Bryant to, to cover that route uh, in that position, right? They We talk all the time about Bill Belichick and the coaches putting these players in their best position to succeed. And Miles Bryant was not put in a position to succeed right. yesterday, point blank. And, look, and here, here's the more concerning thing to me. They tried it. Like, all right, you tried it. Not everything you dropped during the week is going to work right. 100%. You're going to have to change things. That's football. That's what this team is so good at. Did I didn't need 60 minutes to figure out that strategy wasn't going to work. Right. I know you didn't need 60 minutes. I think most people no. at home didn't need 60 minutes to figure that out. Coaching staff took them at least 60 minutes. They still might be trying to figure it out. Right. At a certain point, like, I, look, Miles Bryant, I, I think it's just a matter of Miles Bryant's not physically fast enough. Yeah. Cover Isaiah McKenzie. McKenzie's one of the fastest players in the league. I don't think at anybody certain, is. Well, so at a certain point, you need to recognize that and make a change. Whether yeah. it's, you know, giving D'Angelo Ross a shot. And would that have worked? Would Ross have been able to cover him? I don't know. But you don't know until you try. And it was kind of one of those things. Honestly, Devin McCourty is probably the fastest player on the defense. Yeah. He's played some corner. I would have given Devin McCourty a look there. Just a look. Just see what happens. They were so worried nothing. about and the other problem is, you know, you'd like to think Sean Wade could get a look there. He's yeah. an active. Right. Juwan Williams. I, I like. I, I don't know if this is a matchup for Juwan Williams, but maybe you come out with Williams, who's significantly bigger, and you just jam him at the line. He upset the timing. He's inactive. Yeah. They weren't ready on all. Look, I think they expected the Bills, with all their COVID cases at wide receiver, to come out and just run, run, and run. And I don't know how you can expect that from that team. Yeah. They weren't ready. They weren't ready for it, and they were caught totally off guard once it started happening. No adjustments whatsoever. Again, I, I think Miles Bryant's a good player. I think he, there's a role for him on this team and he can, he can do a lot of things that they need, but at a certain point, you know, he didn't play well, but at a certain point it's on the coaching staff yeah. at a certain point, the dude's getting beat time and time again. You can't just leave him out there to dry like that. It didn't, it's not like, you know, he was covering them all game. And then McKenzie started popping off in the fourth quarter. Right. If that happens, that happens. You tip your cap. We knew it from the jump. That matchup wasn't in their favor. They And they never adjusted. They sat on their hands. Yeah. So I, I think that the reason why they never adjusted, the only reason that I can come up with is what they were doing was they were dropping those linebackers, Bentley, uh, Hightower, Van Noy. Uh, they were dropping them off into those low zones or low holes, right? Where they were trying to keep them in passing lanes, uh, Jamie Collins to add that him to the list. Uh, 
they were trying to keep them in passing lanes, but they were also trying to keep them to spy Josh Allen. They were so petrified of Josh Allen's running ability. They were petrified of it. They did not want Josh Allen to run around. They did not want, they rushed three or four contained rush, right? They didn't really try to pressure him all that much. And then they also had spies on him. None of it worked because Josh Allen just had so much space and time uh, to move around. And you look at all these things and uh, the adjustment to me uh, to help Miles Bryant out might not even have been to move somebody else on to uh, Isaiah McKenzie, but it would have probably been to play two man, right? To play two high safeties and then using one of those safeties to cut off the crossing route from left to right, right? If he's running left to right, you have the far hash safety, cut him off as he's coming over the middle of the field. The problem was the Patriots didn't want to take the extra player out of the box because they were so worried about Josh Allen running on them. And at some point in time, you have to look at it and say, okay, even if Josh Allen runs on us, Isaiah McKenzie averaged 11.4 yards per catch. Is Josh Allen going to average 11.4 yards per rush if, if you just allow him to scramble, right? I mean, maybe you'll get a big, a big one here or there, but you you got to hope that you're able to collapse and take him down, right? You got to hope that you're able to limit him somehow. So there was no adjustments. They played cover one. Uh, they got shredded in cover one. They allowed Isaiah McKenzie to win foot races coming across the field with nobody helping him out, Miles Bryant, that is. And the other thing that was really frustrating is the, the Bills kept on running routes out of that bunch formation, right? They had the three-man bunch, and they were manning it up. The Patriots are playing lock and level rules. So they were in man-to-man matchups, and all they were doing was they were taking Isaiah McKenzie as the inside receiver, and they were just running him out in the flat. Right. And Miles right. Bryant starting from an inside position, he's out leveraged. He can't get there. And if you're not switching it off, then it's just easy. It's just, it's easy yards underneath the defense. So, so many frustrating things. They played zone early and they, Josh Allen was taking those check downs, right? He was checking it down to single Terry. Uh, he was, he was taking uh, eight, nine, 10 yards at a time on those check downs. So they finally got out of that. And they tried to play man-to-man coverage, and they, their leverage rules just got exposed. Dable knew the answers, and he absolutely expo- exposed all the leverage rules. And really, I look at this game from a defensive perspective. I know a lot of people have also been out there and said they had no pass rush. They got no pressure on Josh Allen. There, there was no rush whatsoever. He had all day to throw, uh, those types of things. I actually, this game to me, Alex, is way more of a coverage breakdown game uh, than a pass rush breakdown game. Their gap integrity wasn't great. Uh, They allowed Allen to extend plays. They allowed him to move around, but they actually pressured him on 40% of his dropbacks. They hurried him 20 times in this game. But the problem was, is that every single time they got some pressure on him, every single time somebody broke through and, and was able to get in his face, he had open receivers everywhere. So right. there was always an outlet. There was always a way out of the pressure. So pressure, generating pressure, generating sacks, it's a marriage, right? You have to be able to marry rush and coverage. If you don't have good coverage, you're not going to be able to sack the quarterback. And if you don't have good rush, you're not going to be able to cover for six seconds. There has to be a marriage between the two. And yesterday, I thought the pass rush, uh, for the most part, did pressure a little bit, but they weren't able to get him on the ground because there was places to go. Right. There was outlets. There was receivers open behind it. So really a defensive game plan that didn't work, that 
had no answers and and was absolutely torched from start to finish. You you give up seven red zone drives and you don't force a team to punt. That's as bad as it gets. So here's the thing. I think ultimately the Patriots defense did what they wanted to do, not yeah. what they needed to do. I think they did what they wanted to do. And we talked about this all week. The game plan is sit back and cover two, cover four. Right. Make Josh Allen take the checkdowns all day. Don't get beat deep and make them beat you in the red zone. Objectively, it's not a bad strategy. Right. Because the Bills are one of the worst red zone offenses in the league. And the Patriots going into that game had the best red zone defense. What happened was two things happened. First off, Josh Allen, and I see Bills fans saying it's the greatest game Josh Allen played in his career. It's not. You beat the Patriots, I get you're excited. Calm down. I it might have been the smartest him, game he's played all year. Is that's that what fair? I was going to say. Yeah. It, it is the smartest game because he he never took debate, even the one mistake, and I'll get to that. That that wasn't him getting anxious, getting impatient. He just him and the receiver were on different pages. So, and at that at a certain point, you tip your hat to him, right? And Devin McCourty right. said it after the game. You can't you can't cover everything. You just kind of figure out what you're going to take away and how you want to make them beat you, and, and you hope you execute. And to an extent, they did that. You got to be better tackling after the catch. I mean, there were some brutal, brutal well, missed tackles. They had, in they that had game. 12 missed tackles in the game. Yeah. So yeah. they didn't execute it perfectly. So that's the first part of it is I think at a certain point, you just got to tip your cap to Josh Allen. Those guys get paid too. Right. The Patriots laid the bait out and he didn't take it. He never yeah. took it. And that's rare for him in his career. The second part of it is if you're going to play that way, where you're going to say, we don't care what they do between the twenties because we think we can force a mistake or we can stop them in the red zone. If you want to play that way again, that's fine. They've won Super Bowls playing that way. But that's contingent on when they make the mistake, you have to capitalize. Right. There's no room for error. And there were two mistakes that they failed to capitalize on that cost them the game. One of them being obviously the JC Jackson drop interception. Yeah. I mean, he houses that. This is probably the best show of the year on the happiest boy in America. <laughs> the other one, and this was a little more subtle, but yeah. if the game goes another way, I think this play is a major point of contention today. Is it was their Second to, I can't remember exactly the drive. Was their second to last drive? The Patriots had started calling timeouts. First and 10, the Bills ran the ball, no gain, timeout. Second and 10, and they were like in field goal range, all of it. They threw a pass and it was incomplete. Allen threw a pass in the yeah. play. It was incomplete. Yeah. They, do you remember what play I'm talking about? Yep. They essentially gifted the Patriots an extra timeout. Right. And that's one where, all right, if you get off the field there, they just gifted you 40 seconds to go down the field and score and take the lead because the paths are down four at the time. Here you go. And instead, the Bills ended up, I believe that ultimately what happened on that sequence, if I remember correctly, it was the same drive, was the Josh Allen fourth down bootleg. Yeah. So that that was two opportunities where, you know, they had a chance. The Bills made the mistake. They had a chance to capitalize, and they didn't. If you're yeah. going to play defense that way, and I'm all for that as a defensive strategy because, again, points over yards all day. I'm all for that as a defensive strategy. But if you're going to play that way, you have to capitalize. You have to capitalize when the other team screws up and they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, I think every single time we sit here, Alex, and the Patriots' defense look like crap and loses a football game this where they play terribly on defense, it's always on crossers, in-breakers, stuff to the middle of the field where they're attacking those leverage rules and help defenders, right? The Patriots in this game 
they had the low hole guys, right, to try to contain Josh Allen, but also stick in some of those low passing lanes. And Allen was just zipping the ball to the intermediate level, right, by the low hole defenders and in front of the post safety. How many games have we talked about? Oh, it's it was a, the quick slants that killed him this game. It was the crossers that killed him that. It's never the outside the numbers stuff, right? It's never the deep ball. It's never the it's never the throw to the X receiver on the boundary. It's never that. It's always crossers, slants, in-breakers, uh, things over the middle of the field, intermediate routes, attacking those leverage rules. And for some reason, they get into these game plans and they get into these sequences and they can't get out of them, right? They, they, they can't adjust out of them. And I thought this defense would be different because I thought this defense would have the ability to play different styles of coverage. They might not be as dominant in man-to-man or in cover one as some as like the 18 team or the 19 team, right? But they have a lot more options in zone coverage that they could potentially throw at you. But they were just so slow at collapsing on in zone on the short stuff when Allen was checking the ball down that they had to get out of it. And that's a that was a wake-up call, I think, about this Patriots secondary and this Patriots defense a little bit. Uh, I don't think that you're, you know, look, Allen played a fantastic game. I, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be able to fully replicate that game plan. But every single time this happens, remember last year against Houston with Deshaun Watson, it was the same thing, right? It was crossing right. routes. It was in breakers over the middle. It's the same song and dance every single time the Patriots get beat. We go all the way back to the Eagles Super Bowl in 2017, and it was the same exact thing. So at some point in time, they have to figure out a way Uh, whether it's more uh, too high coverage, whether it's more zone coverage, whether it's whatever it is, Uh, you know, Bill Belichick certainly knows more about it than I do. Whatever it is, they need to find a plan B when they get into these game plans and cover one's not working. And that was the plan going in. They need to be able to find something else that they can go to that will throw off that because obviously the bill's prepared for cover one, Right. right? They obviously had all their man beaters drawn up in the play sheet. So you have to prepare and you have to be, you have to have something else that you can pivot to when that strategy isn't working. And my guess is they just didn't feel comfortable pivoting because they didn't have something that they felt comfortable calling. And and I think that's the problem. Again, that goes back to the point. Juwan Williams and Sean Wade shouldn't have both been inactive. Right. I, I get maybe they don't trust those guys. I don't know why they don't trust Sean Wade. I get he got here late, but. They and, and they did this last year, too, at times, where they just shortchanged themselves in terms of personnel. They handcuffed themselves in terms of personnel heading into games. And Christian Wilkerson really didn't play yesterday, right? Yeah. They could have given that spot to another defensive back. I, You know, I'm trying to go off the top of my head, I, you know, off of guys who well, didn't really except play. Except when they drew up the, the flea flicker. That, that I don't know what's going on with them right. shooting flea flickers. It's awful. Get what's great. I'll tell you that? what it is. I'll tell you what it is. The flea flicker... Needs to be a halfback dive. The flea flicker very simply is a halfback dive. Stop calling toss flea flickers. Yeah. Stop calling shotgun flea flickers. That's not like I, I get they're trying to be different. Right. That's not how that play works. That's just you need the flea flicker needs to happen quick. And they're just not giving themselves enough time to do it. Yeah. It was so the flea flicker, the the deep option on the flea flicker, the deep over was Christian Wilkerson. I saw 17 out there and I was like, really? That's the guy you're going to have be the the number one option on this play. I was shocked by that, but 
your, your overall point with the secondary and having no other options out there because Williams and Wade were inactive is a good one. And I guess they just didn't feel why activate D'Angelo Ross if you're not even going to give him a chance when Miles Bryant's getting beat like right. that. So I, it was all in all, the inactive sheet was questionable. Uh, the game plan was questionable. There was no pivot defensively. So in a, I, I understand it's easy to, you know, but to back to my original point, I understand that it's easy to scapegoat Miles Bryant. It's easy to pick on JC Jackson for not having a great game against Diggs and missing that tackle and the interception. It's easy to talk about how slow the Patriots linebackers were, how they couldn't collapse on the short routes and they couldn't get the check downs down and they couldn't tackle. It's easy to say all that kind of stuff. Did the coaches put the players in a position to succeed on the field? And in my mind, too often in this game, the players were left out to dry. And there was no rhyme or reason whatsoever to stick in the coverage that they were playing when Brian Dable clearly had it all figured out, right? He clearly knew what was going to beat uh, cover one. And he had the Isaiah McKenzie, and he was running them across the field. And the other thing I'll say uh, quickly here before we wrap this up, Isaiah, the one benefit that the Bills had to Beasley and, and, uh, and Davis being out in this game, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie's been around. He's not a new player to their system, right? They don't right. necessarily use him as much at receiver when those guys are healthy, but he's somebody that has been around the block and has been around that team for a while now. So he, it wasn't like they were putting in some like, – it wasn't like they were putting in Christian Wilkerson, right? Right. They, they, they knew, he also they just might be better than Cole Beasley. At this point, he's definitely a a harder guy to match up against, right? Because of that speed, if he can run those overs. All right. Um, It reminded me a little bit, honestly, quickly, of uh, when the Bills also had John Brown, right? Because he had Diggs and John Brown. So you had two guys out there that were really good on the crossers. Uh, It was was a problem. The Patriots couldn't cover it. All right. Uh, I want to end it. I want to circle back to the the COVID stuff here for a second because I think it is important. I, I know where you were going with it right in terms of pausing the season i think is where you were going with no it. oh no no get okay. it done with no what were you going with then i'm just, i i hate to, I, I hate dipping into this i hate dipping into this but if guys are vaccinated and they're not symptomatic yeah and the the testing from the, league, the, the research from it. the league says that asymptomatic vaccinated people can't spread the virus what are we doing you're looking for a boogeyman. Like, I hate to use that word because the conversation right. in England, you're just looking for a boogeyman at that point. Right. Test unvaccinated players, test guys who are symptomatic. You certainly don't want people getting sick. Like I'm, this isn't to diminish what COVID is. Right. But like, I, I don't know. It's, it's getting out of control. Yeah. You yeah. how many players you say today? hundred and six, 106. It's and and this control. isn't, you know, I'm, I'm probably pissing off both sides of the political aisle here, and I really try not to get That's political. All right. And it sucks that a freaking pandemic is political, as stupid as that is, both sides. I, you know, if the science tells us that asymptomatic vaccinated people are fine, then I'll I'll buy it. The scientists are smarter than I am. Asymptomatic yeah. people are fine. Then, well, then we don't need to be testing them. Then let them go about their business. You don't need a hunt. Like like you don't need a hunt for the virus, right? If Take care of people who are sick. If people aren't sick, they're not sick. Maybe look, maybe out of like I'm not, I'm an idiot. I'm a sports writer. I don't know what the hell is going on in a global right. pandemic. But 
I do my reading and not these obscure, like I pretty basic down the middle places. It, it seems unnecessary at this point. Just in the CDC shortened the, the guidance this year and all of that. I don't know. That's just, it's frustrating because it sucks. Cause this has been a really good year in the NFL. I think, you know, the yeah. parity is as high as it's ever been. And we got a real sprint to the finish right now in the AFC and kind of in the NFC too. And if it's derailed, cause you have replacement teams out there for the last two weeks of the season, that's just going to be really disappointing as fans. It's going to be a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I think we're at the point in time now where it's probably smarter, especially with these highly trained, highly conditioned athletes to start treating symptoms more than treating positives, right? Where we're more concerned about, is he actually sick? And I'm not saying to throw a player out there. What I'm saying is, is that if a player feels that he's less than hundred percent and he's feeling some of the effects of COVID-19, then he doesn't play. If he feels perfectly fine and he feels fit to play, then he, then he should be allowed. If he's vaccinated, then he should be allowed to play. And the CDC came out today and said that now they feel like a five-day quarantine is sufficient for COVID. So some of these guys that test positive on Monday, talking about playing on Sunday, that that's CDC guidelines are saying they, those guys should be able to play. That's what I'm saying. Like right? let's just let's just catch up again. Like again, so I don't I don't know scientifically how all this works. I will admit that I'm smart enough to admit I'm not smart enough. But if the CDC is dropping, like if we're using protocol. If there's one thing we all know about the pandemic and this virus, it's that it's basically different every week, every two weeks. Like you have to keep updating. We shouldn't be using protocols in December that were put together in August. Yeah. That just doesn't, it it, it doesn't track with what we know. As you said, it evolves constantly on the fly. All right. Right. That's enough about COVID. It depresses me. And, And I think we are at a point though, where we know enough about the virus that you should be able to manage it somewhat in terms of, is this guy asymptomatic? Is this guy not? Is this guy fit to play? Is he not? Uh, they should be able to determine that pretty easily. And I, right. uh, before we wrap this up, though, Alex, I, I really want to thank a big, strong contingent of Buffalo Bills fans watching the show in the chat today. Yes. I know. I know they came in here just to talk some smack, but our sponsors are loving the numbers that we're getting right now because of you guys. So I, we really appreciate it. I I know that you thought that you were going to get on our nerves, but I'm actually happy that you're in here. So thank you very much for coming in here and watching the show today and uh, enjoying our misery. I don't think there's any fan base in the NFL that searches other teams, podcasts, just to watch their shows after a week, right? Like, are you understand where like, I'm coming? Like, like no, how I, do you I, even find us? I, I'm so like they, they come out of nowhere. It, it's unlike any other fan base. And look, I took my victory lap three weeks ago. I got my victory lap taken on me. They, the only insult they have for me is ugly. And I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong, but like, you know, normally like other fan bases, they'll mix in calling me dumb. They'll mix in calling me a homer, yeah. you know, things like that. Even short, you know, the Bills fans just go with ugly. That's it. That's the only insult they have for me. And I got to, like, again, they're not wrong, but coming from the city of Buffalo hurts a little deeper. 
Thanks, Buffalo. Thanks for thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully, we'll see you on on Friday when we uh, preview, or Thursday when we preview Patriots Jaguars. I know you're going to be really interested in that matchup, so you should come right back. So, right? Can I give a quick thought on that game to kind of tease it forward? Really here? quick, you can. Yes. The Patriots when the Patriots won seven in a row, they started out by beating the, the bag out of the Jets, fifty-four yes. to thirteen. Yes. Uh, and we talked at the time the Patriots kind of needed to see one go in, right? To use a basketball analogy. Yeah. They they need to beat anything less than a three score win over the Jaguars is unacceptable. I think if they could beat the bag out of the Jaguars, yeah, then maybe you start looking at hey, they just needed the confidence booster in its back. Maybe. That's my initial thought on that. It's game. a tune up game, right? It's a college style right tune up game. game. It's it's like when Ohio State schedules uh Bemidji State in the first game of the season and beats them ninety to nothing, right? You know, that that's yeah. the type of game we're looking at on Sunday, assuming I hate to say this, but assuming, assuming that everybody stays healthy, knock on wood with, with COVID and there's no uh, crazy uh, Matthew Judon, uh, he goes on COVID Bentley goes on COVID. Uh, that's the one that's the great equalizer right now. It feels like across the league, right. right? These, these give me matchups can turn into, into real games real fast. If Brian Hoyer has to make the start. So uh, hopefully we don't get to that point. Hopefully we can get this out of con- under control and hopefully Matthew Judon and Juwan Bentley make a speedy recovery and are asymptomatic. But until we do it Thursday or Friday, Alex, I, I don't know. Fr- Friday is new year's Eve. So maybe we'll, oh, we'll do Thursday. Probably Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Thursday preview show Patriots Jaguars. I think that there's a, a plenty to talk about. We were going to do some Q and a because we thought this was going to be an easy game, but now that the Patriots coming off this game, I think that there's plenty of stuff that we need to discuss, but we'll take some questions hopefully by the end of that show as well. If you want to come back and, and answer those questions and by all means, Bill's mafia, join us on Thursday uh, for Pat's Jaguars. And we'll talk about some more things and you can uh, brag some more in the chat, but until then signing off, For Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you Thursday.